When a big challenge shows up in your life, like a big test is coming up in two days, or you find out you owe a whole bunch of money that you don't have, or just that there's a bad smell in your refrigerator, are you the kind of person who drops everything and finds a solution and exhausts yourself handling it all by yourself? Or are you the kind of person who gets overwhelmed and goes into avoidance, struggling to take any action at all? These two states at other two ends of the continuum are stress responses called overfunctioning and underfunctioning. And they're both common with people who grew up with trauma, and they each have destructive, if slightly different, consequences. So my letter today is from a woman I'll call Gemma, and she writes, Dear Anna, can you please make a video about struggling to grow up and become an independent adult? I still feel like I'm a little girl, most likely due to childhood trauma, and I struggle to work, pay bills, stick to a schedule, and take care of myself. I have this fear that I won't be able to make it on my own, and I need someone to take care of me and do things for me. All right, I've got my fairy pencil, and I'm circling things I want to come back to. I'm going to read through this letter. Let's see what Gemma's got to say, and then I'll go back to what I circled. All right. Here's a little background about me, if it helps, she says. My parents divorced when I was six. My dad displays all the narcissistic traits listed in the DSM-5, but he hasn't been diagnosed with anything because he refuses to seek professional help and says everyone else is the problem. He drinks heavily, criticizes and demeans others, cheated on my mom throughout their entire marriage, and he was in and out of jail for domestic violence. Oof. He would threaten to kill my mom and kill himself right in front of us kids, and it really impacted my siblings and me, especially my older brother, who became an alcoholic and took his own life a couple years ago. He was 29. His mother, a.k.a. my grandma, sexually abused me from the time I was six up, and she died when I was 13. When I told my dad what happened, he called me a bitch and a liar. My mother considers herself a spiritual empath and healer. She was an abused and neglected foster care kid, so I think that's why she has poor boundaries and taught me to love toxic people unconditionally and forgive them no matter what they've done. My mom would use me as her therapist and overshare things with me that were extremely inappropriate for me to hear about at such a young age. I found myself needing to grow up quickly to take care of her because my little brother got taken into state custody and my mom was having many nervous breakdowns and escaped into this fantasy world where she believed that the this famous actor, um, it's named here, but I won't do it because just for anonymity's sake, that he was her twin flame and was going to come rescue her. She lost her job and we ended up homeless a couple times. I started working while still going to school in order to get out of the homeless shelter. I was paying all the bills in high school and provided for my mom financially, which led to resentment. I realized I never got to be a kid. My mom was too poor to buy me toys for Christmas and my birthday, so I went without. I struggled to connect with kids at school and was bullied a lot, so I felt alone and misunderstood. I've attracted romantic partners that remind me of my abusive father, and I'm trying so hard to heal the little girl inside of me. Thank you for your time and energy, he says. Gemma. Oh, Gemma, Gemma. I love you so much. I'm so sorry this happened to you.
Your first question about how to grow up is you're growing up just fine. You, you grew up early. It's true you didn't get to be, have that experience of being a kid. You were a kid. I have kind of a different take on this. You were a kid. You were a kid who had to take on a lot of responsibility. I mean, making money, you know, supporting your mom financially in high school, being her therapist, uh, dealing with the incredible uncertainty of her and your dad. That is so much responsibility. And, you know, people amaze me. You amaze me that you were able to do that. And here you are. Here you are. You lost your brother, but you're here. You're here and you are making a decision. I want to grow up. I want to be able to handle my life. What I think, I'm not trying to invalidate you, but here's just a, here's a perspective. When you talk about not being able to pay bills, what was it? Uh, work, pay bills, stick to a schedule and take care of yourself. I don't think you failed to grow up. I think you might just have dysregulation. I think those are all things, dysregulation and a trauma response of freeze. Freeze does that, where it's just like you, you can't move. Certain things like pressure comes, anything stressful happens, you kind of go, ugh. Everybody has their sort of go-to trauma response. Some people are fighters like your dad. Some people are fleers like your brother, escape, right? Some people fawn. Your mother has gone into magical thinking. And you're a person who gets busy and deals with problems. <laughs> and you do that, but there's something in you fighting it. Because you have. you. I mean, anybody who could support a family in high school, that's just like not easy to do. And um, I would imagine you probably had to do a lot of covering up and protecting of your mother for her to not lose custody of you, right? Holy cow. Clearly she's mentally ill. That's very sad. It's very sad. Her, her delusional beliefs, the whole thing, the spiritual empath and healer, that's, that is an identity that can attract people who are engaged in deep magical thinking. And here, you know, I practice stoicism basically. And I want to, I, I want to present to you a, a stoic picture of this because when and if you've gone to therapy, they may have talked about your inner child, the little girl in there. And if that's what you are connected to, you totally, yes, do that. As somebody who has a somewhat stoic approach, not on purpose, I retroactively figured out that's the word, but sometimes I've just been a very practical person and I just say, I had to do a lot. I had, I had a lot of responsibility as a kid, like over, way over my head when I was little. I wouldn't even compare myself to you, but there were some things. Um, and the thing that's helped me is to just try to stay in reality and just say, yes, yes, all that's true. And I had, I had an opportunity to talk about it. I had therapy. Maybe it was helpful to talk about that stuff. I think in the beginning it was validating, but the thing is the therapist, the therapist, the first few that I ever ended up with, I often felt like my tragedies were a little bit like porn or something to them that they were just like, oh yeah, tell me more. And they would want to talk about that. And you know, everything in my life has been because I was able to move my focus off of what happened. Acknowledge it, yes. I'm not trying to be in denial, but I do not believe that for all of us, certainly not me, that talking about it and talking about it produces healing. It's a stage. It's a stage to admit it to somebody and to get somebody with perspective to go, oh, you know, there's a word for that. That's abuse. That's da da da. That's there's a common pattern that shows up in people who experience that. That's very helpful. But then there needs to be a solution. And what you're doing here when you're talking about wanting to work and pay bills, that's my theme right now. 
I, um, I sing the praises of work. Work is a way that brings stability, choices, prosperity, um, connection. There are many good things that come from work. So if you can't do it right now, yeah, there's a lot of suffering and there's guilt and shame and all that. But it's, I first just want to validate for you, it's very understandable that you're freezing up around this stuff. You are, you didn't tell me how old you were. Um, I have the impression that you're youngish. And you're because your brother was 29 a couple years ago, so you're somewhere in that vicinity. Working is important, um, but your trauma is upon you right now. And your mother, I guess, is still alive and still doing all this stuff. And you're visiting, you're, you're exploring like what happened here and kind of reckoning, wow, my mom, your mom is like delusional. I can't hear that there's anybody you've ever been able to count on for security. And that's hard, but what it comes down to, like some people, they will try to rush into relationships and a few people will get lucky and the way they are and who they meet, they find somebody who's totally stable for them and they're, they're in love and they stay stable in a marriage from there on out. That happens. But if it hasn't happened to you and it didn't, that's not how it happened for me, I had to learn to be that person for myself. And being that person for myself all by myself is not healthy, but being that person for myself while also taking reasonable actions to have a community and some support around me, that has hit the sweet spot. That has enabled me because, you know, really nothing else would ever make me feel secure except for knowing that if things get crazy again in my life, I'll know what to do. That is my ultimate security and safety. If it gets bad like that, I'll know what to do. And I know what to do from experience, having to do stuff, having to deal, having to, you know, I just remember when I was in college, I didn't have financial support. I barely had any financial aid. I just did not have enough to live on. I, and I, I was living in this horrible apartment where there was some very bad landlord stuff going on. And um, I had a roommate, we were packed into this little apartment and I had a job at a sandwich stop shop. And the sandwich shop was a real horrible place to work. The people who ran it were mean, they were rude to me. Um, eh, it was money, right? I needed some money and I worked there 15 hours a week and went to class and uh, made this little about amount of money and I barely had enough to eat. I had one pair of shoes, one coat. Oh, here I go. I'm one of those people. Oh yeah, the old days. But I'm just telling you this because it ended up being one of the finest experiences of in my life is I had just a little bit of money, just enough to get by. And I had to eat French toast with like cheap bread, eggs, milk, you know, margarine. I had that like every day for dinner. And then if at, I worked at a pizza place and so I ate a lot of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and whatever I could get there, like I pieced it together like so many people do, like so many people are doing right now. You, you piece it together. Occasionally people come in and help. Um, a, a family member gave me a, a job helping care for some old people at their home, which was like a huge step up in my life back then. But when I was at the pizza stage and, you know, trying to get to school and have enough to eat, I used to buy these boxes of like hot cocoa in the little envelopes and I got it on sale. It was like the cheap generic kind. And I would let myself have one packet at the end of the day. I would, you know, the sandwich job was physically taxing and especially I was in school full time and I was, it was a lot of like walking around and um, I had to break down the boxes and mop and all that stuff. So I would get home like sweaty and exhausted and smelling like disinfectant in the sandwich fridge. You know, many people have had this kind of job. 
I'd take a shower and I would eat my French toast. <laughs> or maybe I didn't have French toast on sandwich days. It was the other day. So I'd had a sandwich and then um, I'd have one little packet of this cheap generic hot cocoa and it was delicious and it was like my special time. And I think this was a formative time. And the reason I was in this situation in that job is I had been in a two and a half year relationship with a guy who I thought I was going to marry. And he just was having an affair with, with somebody very close to us and for like months under my nose. And it was heartbreaking. And I was 21. <laughs> and I thought I was going to really like go over the ledge of just like heartbreak and I give up and I can't do this. And um, having that job and going to school, I got very serious. I did well at school. And that one, it was that it was that little packet of hot chocolate at the end of the day that I was like, I did it. I did it for another day. I was stoic. I was stoic. I was going through hard times. I used to carry so much stress in my body because I had CPTSD, but who knew back then, you know, this is a long time ago. But I was always like on the verge of having a terrible ulcer. I had terrible stomach problems. And um, I had a hard time eating, actually, because of my stomach was in pain so much of the time. I was really carrying the stress. I smoked cigarettes um, as much as I could afford <laughs> to smoke cigarettes. I was really on the edge. And so it was a turning point for me to be able to take care of myself, to make ends meet, just to make ends meet, even though they were tiny ends. I had this pair of Vans and they were ripped. I had this coat that I got from a thrift store and that was it. And when it was raining, like my shoes and my coat would get all wet. And, and um, I would, I would have to have all these measures to try to get it near the oven, not light it on fire. So it would be dry in the morning. I did a lot of trudging in cold rain. It was, it was a tough year. And it wasn't the only tough period like that I've ever had. I, I've had like four or five periods of my life where I was really like kind of at the edge of being able to deal. And at each time, I, in the little measures where I got through it, I made it, I changed. I, when I look back, I would say these are the periods when I grew the most, when I overcame my trauma the most. And I think this experience of self-determination are so powerful for healing and underrated. You know, it's not all about talking about what happened. It's about getting on our feet and being able to do that. Now at that stage, I, I had so much work to do in order to learn how to have relationships that weren't completely colored and driven by the traumatic parenting that I'd experienced in the past. And I would expect you have a road in front of you too. But it's a road that you can walk safely and without ruining your life if you dare, if you can, if you can seek out mentorship and community from people around you. So your dad was an alcoholic. You qualify for Al-Anon. I cannot say enough good things about how good it is, how much I wish I had found Al-Anon sooner in my life. I wasn't ready. I think I did know about it, but I was only ready when I was ready. But when you can go to a meeting any night and be with people who understand and you can be yourself and you can sit there in your wet coat and your wet shoes and your backpack and you're craving for cigarettes that you can't afford and your stomach ache, you have a place to go. And then you have this thing like the 12 step process to start to start moving through all the troubles and make sense of your life and have companions along the way you are living large. So many people are living in isolation and they don't have that. I really encourage you avail yourself of that community. You can get through a lot when you're with people who understand who are also working on themselves. And then you need tools. 
If you go to a 12-step program, I encourage you, look for the very strongest sponsor in the room, even though it intimidates you, and ask her if she will sponsor you. That's my suggestion. You can also, in addition to that, or all by itself, come, come be in our program, take the daily practice course I teach. Those are the techniques that got me through one of the darkest periods of my life, and I just keep doing them. I just did them uh, uh, about an hour ago. I did my second one for the day, because it recharges me. I was taping, I taped six videos today. This is the sixth one. It takes a lot of energy to do this. <laughs> and if I write and meditate using my daily practice techniques, not only do I just have less trauma overall, and just, I just keep, it's like rinsing the trauma off of you twice a day, twice a day, you know, open up a way for fresh thoughts and fresh feelings. I might, you know, if you haven't heard me talk about this, it may sound strange. You can learn all about it. I have a free course. It's on the free tools page of my website, crappychildhoodfairy.com, free tools. The link is also down below in the description section. You have to click the, you know, uh, read more. What's it? The button that opens up the whole description section. I got it all there. I got stuff for you. It's free. Free is good. And um, I have paid things too, but the very most important thing I teach is this daily practice. And it's a way to, without fanfare, take all that drama inside and get it on paper and rest in meditation. And it's something you manage. You don't have to wait for somebody else to give you the healing. You don't have to come up with any money for it. You just, you just have a tool at your fingertips. You take paper and pen with you in your backpack or purse always. And there's always a place for your feelings to go. That is safety. That is freedom. That's why I feel like, all right, I know that hard things are going to happen in my life again one day, but when it does, I'll know what to do. I'll figure it out. That's what safety is. That's what confidence is. That's what self-esteem is really, is knowing that you'll be able to figure it out. So I'm proud of you. I just see that you have figured out a lot. You figured things out at a very young age and there's all kinds of like trauma wounds happening right now, you know, popping around like popcorn in, in the way your life is playing out. But you can start right now to create a door where all that stuff can go out and a new experience can come in. Think of it like a delayed development. You didn't get to learn how to you didn't get to learn all the stuff that parents were supposed to teach you. And uh, there is so much time to have fun, by the way. So much time to have fun in your life. A lot of fun is available. A lot of friendship. A lot of learning and going to school. Like a lot of the things you missed. There will never be a childhood again. But a lot of the things you missed, you can have. You can have them. The trauma gets in the way. So priority number one, heal the symptoms of trauma. That will in turn help direct your love life in a better way. If you can come in, come into my course on dating, you know, just if that's something that's out there for you, because with your background, you probably have to take conscious action to direct your love life into a good direction, a positive direction that's in your best interest. Because what we do is what we do. We, we tend to recreate the pattern that happened before. And you could end up with somebody who's a magical thinker, not reliable, an alcoholic, abusive. That would be likely. So I'm just saying like, so good to get help, you know, whatever it is. Therapy, most people can't afford that, but therapy, membership in Crappy Childhood Fairy or a course, free course, 12 step programs, also free. I really encourage you to avail yourself of these things. Like if I could do my life over again, all I would have done differently is get into that stuff earlier. Uh, it, it's made all the difference and um, it solved the problem of loneliness. My 12-step life solved the problem of loneliness. And um, when you have people who you can always hang out with, you never have to rush into a relationship. I mean, think about it. Like 
everything bad I've ever done was driven by loneliness. What about you, right? So when you don't have healthy friends in your life, you can create an environment like that by dropping into a 12-step program. That's who it's for. If you're watching this, you know, if, if, if anybody out there, if your problem is drinking, AA, so powerful. I don't have that one, but I would definitely, like, I love AA. It's great. I go to open meetings sometimes. If it wasn't alcohol in your parents, but everything was all dysfunctional, um, um, ACA, adult children of alcoholics and other dysfunctional families. If money is the main locus of problems, debtors anonymous. If relationships are the main locus of problems, uh, sex and love addicts anonymous. There's a number of 12-step programs. I, I'm not listing them all, but just saying, you know, there's one for everybody. And um, maybe it's not for you, but I really encourage you to check it out because I know of nothing else that has like an instant community for anybody who's, who's ready to show up and get in there and start trying to heal. So I love you for trying. Thank you so much for writing. I'm proud of you. I know you can do this. And you have here at Crappy Childhood Fairy a community of people who are 100% behind you. And I would really like to ask the commenters to be loving and kind and supportive toward Gemma. You know, what a, what a good woman you are. So we're behind you. And if anybody here feels like their trauma has affected their lives, if giving you uh, CPTSD made it hard for you to get going in your life, take my CPTSD quiz. This quiz has been taken by thousands of people and in it I list a whole series of common symptoms that happens. You, you know, you may not be able to get a diagnosis from a professional. It's not even recognized in the United States, but I list the common symptoms and you can check the box and just see, do you have these? And you can self-identify. If you have the symptoms, I don't care what you call it, you belong here. So that quiz, it's um, the um, childhood PTSD quiz. It is on my website on the free tools page. I have a series of quizzes there you can take and um, I recommend them. They often are the first step for you to find out like, oh my gosh, this is a thing. It's not my fault. I'm normal, I'm having normal symptoms that follow peop when people have been through abnormal experiences as I have. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.